Thank you for joining me. I'm Brandy J. Singleton, a voice to be reckoned with the next level. I am here with my awesome, awesome guest over here laughing at me. <laughs> we have awesome Brian Snow of Snowman. He's the CEO, co-founder of Snowman Digital Media and host of the Snowman in the Morning. Brian, how did I do? Uh, you did great. You did awesome. You did awesome. And thanks Thank for having me. Thank you for joining. Anytime. Anytime, Brian. You're, I'm just very, very happy that you uh, wanted to come on. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, Brian, can you please uh, let my listeners know about um, Snowman um, Digital Media and your uh, morning show, too? Uh, Brian, I mean, sorry. <laughs> Snowman in the morning. Can you tell us more about that and what you do? Uh, Snowman Digital Media is a company that uh, I created because I've had so many people ask me to help them uh, produce their podcasts and produce their show. So I just had, I, I just designed it to be a distributor of my show as well as others. Uh, also got the SDM Sports Network, a lot of sports programming there. And it went under three former names, but that company will be celebrating its 25th season uh, beginning, uh, Labor, beginning Labor Day. And Snowman in the Morning started that October 2013 back in my hometown of Chicago because someone actually dared me to put a show out there because um, I've always was in sports conversations with my friends. And they kept saying, you ought to have your own show. You ought to have your own show. So I said, you know what? Let's. Let's try it. So it was an hour-long show beginning in October of 13, and now it's a full two-hour show five days a week. And I love doing it. That's amazing. All right. So a dare. Hmm? <laughs> a dare. A dare. Of all things, a dare. An idea is how my sports career started, and a dare is how my sports show started, because I'll share this story. My sports broadcasting career began December of 1995, off of an idea because I was at Chicago State University and my friend Kevin had checked out a camera from the uh, speech and theater department. And I asked him if he can attach a microphone to that. And he said, yeah, what do you have in mind? So with permission to use said microphone and said camera, walked over to the gym and Chicago State was playing Northern Illinois that night. And we got permission to go up on the track, which was upstairs set up our camera, set up our microphone, and with only one page of notes, that was my first play-by-play -play call 25 years ago. Wow. So I take it you wouldn't have done anything different. <laughs> no. No. As long as I got one of these or one of these, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I take it you leave the house with one of those, huh? <laughs> Right. When I'm, when I'm on a, when I'm on assignment, I do. <laughs> Otherwise, they stay here. Like, <laughs> I can imagine you just busting one out. You're like, I'm ready. <laughs> just bust one out of your pocket. <laughs> well, when I, I carry my, my when I carry my phone with me, it has a recorder on it, just in case someone wants to record an interview. So I always have that ready. Yeah. So <laughs> Hey, you stay ready. You don't got to get ready. You have to. You have to stay ready. Mm -hmm. You have to stay ready. You never know. You never know. Exactly. That's why I'm a hot mess all the time. Because I'm, I'm maybe a hot mess, but it's only because I stay ready. I just mm -hmm. need to get a little bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Same here. Oh, man, oh, man. That's awesome. So, uh, Brian, so 
as far as what what you're doing now, is this what you had in, in mind? You know, uh, as far as career wise, this is the area that you chose to, to go into with media and everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want um, my first major in college was computer science, and then I got into the major and realized I hated it. So by hmm. 1993, I was changing majors. And I kept asking myself, you know, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? And I kept hearing old Bulls games in my ear that I would tape. And I'd use a ton of old audio tapes. And my dad caught on to what I wanted to do. I just didn't know it. But my dad caught on before I did. So he would sneak me this big brick of audio tapes. <laughs> so I wouldn't <laughs> bug my mother for it. But yeah, this is this is what I wanted. This is what I've wanted to pursue uh, most of my life. Like I said, I didn't know it for a long time, but when I changed majors in uh, 1992, 92, 93 year, I knew I was on to something. Awesome, awesome. What struggles have you endured um, since, you know, since on your journey? Getting sponsors, getting people to believe that the digital age is the internet, it's the way to go in the 21st century getting people to support my venture and uh, you know just getting people just getting a lot of people to believe in what I'm doing because there's so many people setting their ways um, yeah. a lot of folks listen to radio and I keep telling them look I can tell you from a couple of reliable sources radio is dying radio is on the way radio has been on the way out and it's been that way since 2000 yeah and people don't want to people don't want to believe it. I said, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and he said, "How can you tell radio is dying or dead?" I said, "Look at the four major sports. Look at the four major leagues: NFL, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball. What do they all have in common? They all have ways for you to listen via the internet. In case you can't get to a radio dial, in case you want to listen to an out-of-market team." All that's in place now. Yep. It just took the rest of us to follow suit. And I've been doing it over the internet since 1995. People still haven't caught up yet, huh? <laughs> no. No, people... The president of the Sportscasters Talent Agency of America, he and I had a heart-to-heart -heart conversation last year. And I said, I don't think I'll ever be on the radio because I don't have a degree in journalism, even though I've self-taught myself how to do this. I don't have the quote-unquote experience. And he said, are you kidding? You've been ahead of the game for a long time. Just got to find the right client to help you prove it. And I said, what? He said, yeah, you've been on the internet all this time. You've been so far ahead of the game, really, the only professional team that has taken advantage of it is the Los Angeles Kings. They have shunned the radio and they've done everything, they're doing everything over the internet now. Very true, very true. I, I know there's like a, but it's still like over the internet, there's a few uh, radio, uh, they call them radio blogs, like, um, uh, what is it? I have a talk, blog talk radio. Mm -hmm. And that, and people seem to be, you know, okay with with it but it's, it's still accessed over on, online so <laughs> i don't know mm -hmm. how much that plays you know what i mean they still 
address it as radio, you know, they intertwine it with, but they also have it intertwined with podcasts. So when you go into yeah. this, it still has the podcasting like format, format and mm -hmm. everything. So, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have to go through all that. With the radio, you have to like wait and like go through all the, you know, things yeah. you don't want to really go to. And what's going on now, like you said, is it's more accessible where people can get to what they want when yep. they want or come back to it later or, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. Accessibility is so important nowadays. Mm -hmm. So important to music, to radio, to sports. And the accessibility is what uh, a lot of the major college sports teams and the professional sports teams have been working on. I didn't realize I was sitting on a gold mine for so many years until um, my friend at STAA pointed it out to me, a couple of friends since I've moved here pointed it out to me, and my wife pointed it out to me. You know, you've been sitting on this for too long. Put it out there and really, and, and, and really put it out there. Use your resources that you know and that you've developed and really, you know, get it out there. The biggest problem for me, as I mentioned earlier, and I hope this changes very, very soon, is monetizing it. Mm -hmm. Turning us into what I wanted to do, turning us in, into um, my paycheck. I want my microphone to be my paycheck. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> I feel you. But the great thing about it is you enjoy what you do. So when it turns into that, it'll be just an added addition to what you already love to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. that reward you get, like, yes, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. So what's the what's the greatest so far? Like, uh, you know, you talked about the struggle. What, what is your first memory, like, that you knew that uh, you were in the right place and, you know, that sits with you? When I did my first game, in 1995, I got such a rush, even though we got blown out of the building, we lost by 40 points, Chicago State did. And we were doing our post-game show, my friend Kevin and I, and there was a fellow that played at Northern Illinois named uh, TJ Lux. And off the top of my head, I said he had 26 points and 14 rebounds. After we wrapped up, Kevin looked at me and he said, are you sure about those numbers? I said, no, but he had somewhere around there. We go downstairs and I meet the voice of Northern Illinois, Mr. Bill Baker, a very, very dear friend. And we pick up the stat sheet and look at TJ Lux. Wouldn't you know it, he had 26 points and 14 rebounds. I looked at Kevin and he looked at me and he goes, no way you could have known that off the top of your head. I think after then I knew I had created a monster and I had to follow it. <laughs> I had to I had to do more. I, I had to do more. As far as my sports talk show goes, I was living with my mother when I launched this. I was up in my room. I said, I'm gonna attach my mixer. I'm gonna have a handheld microphone. And we're gonna see, oh, I had a headset at the time. And we're gonna see where this goes. Yeah, I got done with that. And I'm already <laughs> planning my next show. It's like, okay, I want more. I want more now. <laughs> well, so how was your did your mom? How did she feel? You that you said how your dad how he um, contributed to you mm -hmm. pushing you in the right direction. How was it with your with your mom when she realized what you loved? She thinks I'm kidding still. I don't know. In doing this, 
<laughs> as it shows that you're not. <laughs> and she's still I mean, kind of in denial. Seven years, seven years later, you would think some people, and we spoke about this before we came on the air, you would think mm. some people would get the message that I'm very serious about this. Yeah. And it's like, nope. We don't think you we don't think you could do it. I've been doing this for seven <laughs> years. I've been broadcasting for twenty-five years. Just because you haven't seen me on television yet or heard me on radio yet doesn't mean that I haven't been doing this. Right. See, some people equate experience to being on the radio or being on television. I lived in Jasper, Indiana for a year. Been there, done that. I like the medium that I have now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing I noticed, too. It's, uh, you would think that your biggest supporters would be your family, but it's so yes. the opposite. They're the most critics, <laughs> like harsh ones. They, to- it's totally the opposite. It's mm-hmm. totally the opposite because they want to see you in their eyes and their image of what you should be. Mm-hmm. And there's your internal fight. You're going, wait a minute. This isn't what I want to do. And yet, there's still that little innate part of you that wants to please your family, including your parents. Yeah. My dad looked me in the eye and said, go for it. I'm like, wait, what? Like, if you don't like what you're doing, change it. Dad, are you sure we're in the right place? (laughs) Yes. He looked at me and he said, you stay busy and keep going. That's awesome. You probably would say that probably was the most, would you say that's the most uh, good advice that anyone's ever given you? Is what you're Absolutely. Said? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because what dad allowed me to do was make my mistakes. Mm-hmm. He would then swoop up, make teaching moments out of them. All of them. That's awesome. That's a, you know, we tell our kids, you know, they can do anything they can reach for mm-hmm. stars and all that and then it comes that moment and we're like oh no I didn't mean that star <laughs> exactly <laughs> well, what did you mean then <laughs> can yeah. I get a witness <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's important that we are allowed to I think that's um, how my mom she passed away um, in 2010 but she never was very critical of things that I chose to do she just was supportive and then mm-hmm. I think she, but I, and, and she never really said what her tactic was, but I truly believe it was to allow me to grow, to learn, to make my own mistakes, and she'd be there if I fail, mm-hmm. to, you know, to help me and push me through. And uh, she did a lot by doing that, you know, created a strong, was, strong woman here. <laughs> that was that was pops. That was pops yeah. for me. I mean, mom, uh, nothing against my mother. I love her dearly, but and she supported for a little while, but. If there was anyone that allowed me to grow, it was Pops. It was my dad. That's awesome. Did you say that that would you would use your that same method with your um, with your like grandchildren or, or whomever? Absolutely, you? absolutely. Be uh, whatever you want to be. Go for it. Period. Yeah. If you need any lessons from me, if you need some advice from me, I'm right here. I'll tell my grandchildren, I'll tell my children and my grandchildren that all day long. That's awesome. A lot of people don't have that. And and I, I noticed too, I think I asked you uh, off the record when we were talking the other day, did you think that the way your, mom, your mom's approach was 
because it maybe it's the way she was raised you know how yeah people have a tendency to be raised a certain way and their thinking mm-hmm. tends to play a part in you know like the cycle or something and yeah. you can't understand why is a person the way they are and it always leads back to like the way they were they grew up or the things they were told or not told that's a part of it but for me the other part is she lost her life partner in 40 years my dad passed away due to prostate cancer and I know it took a big chunk out of her I know that because when you're with someone for that long and you lose them it has a profound effect on you and I think it had so profound of an effect on my mother that she completely flipped upside down and the support was lost when I kept pursuing what I want to pursue and going through some of the things that uh, that I've been through it, it just seems all of that came into play and cut the cord and you and I spoke about this off the record sometimes you just have to cut the cord and go yeah yeah I totally understand that Especially when it's someone so dear, so close, like a mother or family yeah. member, you know, you have to like really yeah. like. It's hard. It is. It is yeah. hard. It it is hard. Yeah. I wanted my. I, I wished. I wished to God that my mother was at my wedding. But unfortunately, I know how my mother thinks. I know how my mother would act. And no. You're not going to ruin my day. I'll, I'll send you wishes from afar. Did, did I extend the invite to my mother? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. But at the same time, my wife and I talked and we were like, nah, don't need an ugly situation. Yeah. yeah. Most definitely. If it's unhealthy, it's unhealthy. If it's family or no, yes. not family, you know? Just, uh, I, I totally, hey, totally understand. I've, I have her family, okay? And I refer to her dad as Pops, which is a term of endearment for me toward my dad whenever I see him I address him the same way that I would address my dad so yeah family doesn't have to mean blood you know no it doesn't I no. told somebody one day I said we're just related by default when you really think about it I was like you know, <laughs> yeah no choice in the matter you, you really know? don't you I really don't that, you would hope that someone that's running the blood same blood is running through them that you can you know it could be mean a lot more but at the end of the day we're all human beings and Mm -hmm. just because the family doesn't give them some kind of magical (laughs) you know Um, (laughs) I heard a phrase uh, said by a few friends of mine I believe it goes something to the tune of sometimes our skin folk ain't our kin folk (laughs) I like that (laughs) (laughs) deep Sometimes our skin, sometimes our skin folk and our kinfolk. That is the truth. Yep, the truth. It is. And I got a, and I got a whole bunch of that saying. When my daughter was born in 2013, and everybody else said congratulations except one. That was my mother. Because all I heard from my mother was, "Are you going to be there for her?" My mind, I internally, I snapped. I snapped. Because it's like, you're going to say that after my daughter was born. That is. That 
was, I can honestly say that was the last straw. Because I don't want anyone else ruining my happiness. Yeah, for sure. That was that defining moment for you. And you're like, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could you think yeah. something like that would, uh, you know, place a, a significance in where it would break down that whatever that is there, you know? Mm-hmm. Your child's child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was my that was my baby girl. My sister was against me for a while, but then I sent her a picture, and we had just reconnected last year. And my sister said, and I love her for this. My sister said, she said, I thought it was not your child until I saw that smile, mm-hmm. until I saw those eyes. That's your child. I started crying. Well, I was right there and I was I was crying because I finally reconnected with someone in my blood family <laughs> that cared. Yeah. That apps that 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 cared. That how one of my good friends put it, that 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 gave a damn. Yeah. That's as simple as it gets. <laughs> yeah. She was willing to admit her wrong and apologize and say, Hey. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. We all make mistakes and we can admit to them and not be too proud of them but it's, I always tell people it's not about that it's about what you do with it you mm-hmm. know like are you gonna just stew in it or are you gonna make it right yeah yeah and my sister and I have been like I said reunited since last year and when everything gets together here I invited her down here to North Carolina and said you gotta come visit and she wants to come visit Awesome. Just like when when the time comes, um, my wife and I are going to go visit her, and she is in uh, Washington right now. She's in Washington State right now. So I got someone out in the Pacific Northwest. I got folks back in the Midwest and in Chicago and Indiana, and I got friends. I got friends spread all over the country. But my sister, being in the state of Washington, I know that's going to be one of our stops. Because yeah. I got to go see her and give her a hug, a big one. And I got to see my nephew. Yep, gotta do that because as we know, we never know when and what you know is going to happen, and we have to make sure that we are able to mend those bridges. If definitely if it's presented to us, yep, gotta take them because that's God saying, "Here's your that chance," you know. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, for sure. You have a very powerful story, and um, I like that you you keep such a positive uh, attitude it all you can tell you have a very strong and smart wife you know keep you grounded <laughs> chats out to wife <laughs> two years ago I nearly gave up and it was this month where I met her and since that day she has been my rock she has been my everything how did Barry White put it my first my last my everything yeah that's my Dr. K. That's my Jody. That's, I'll tell you what, she's the most beautiful person inside and out that I've ever met. It, it's, I, I'm, I'm on a roll. I get to talking about, <laughs> I tell you what, my wife makes a, my wife makes a joke when we were uh, working at the same place. She makes a joke. She, she tells her friends and mine at the job, either he's talking about sports or he's talking about me. And I'm going, yeah, that 
pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that pretty much sum that pretty much sums it up. But when you meet someone like that that you have such a connection with, you can't help but talk about them. Yeah. You can't help but express to whomever's within earshot of what they mean to you. Yeah. And my wife was injured. My, 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 wife, my wife injured her foot and she couldn't go back to work. Every day I went, I promised her I'd step up and do what I can. But the best part about those work days, coming home. Coming home to her. And she was so, so frustrated because she couldn't work and she felt like she wasn't contributing to the family. And there were times where I felt like I was contributing to the family. She looked at me one day and hit me with a thunderbolt and said, do you know how long you've been carrying us since I've been injured? I'm like, wait, what? And she said, yeah, you've been doing everything you set out to do. That hit me like a shot because for many, many weeks, I thought I'm not doing enough. Huh? Wrong <laughs> and wrong. My confidence was shot to hell because of relationships past. But when you get that confidence back from someone that's been in your corner the entire time, and she's been in my corner since I met her two years ago. Now, each and every day, I get more and more confident in what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and I'm going to cry, so you have to forgive me. Hey, <laughs> that's just... Um, Welcome here. <laughs> that's just... That's real. That's just what she means to me. I mean, this is the same woman who looked me in the eye and said, I want you to chase your dreams as a sportscaster. And to a man to have that kind of vote from someone you love dearly. <laughs> to have that kind of backing, to have that kind of support, especially to a man. When a man has that kind of support from someone he loves, he can move more than mountains. Amen. And, and this is one thing I'm such an advocate for. I'm an advocate for men being confident within themselves. Because on the flip side of that coin, five years ago, I went through a very abusive relationship. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything. And to say that knocked me down until the day I met my wife is an, is, is an understatement because when men get abused, hardly anyone believes them. Yeah. I noticed that. And, and men get it. Men get abused in relationships, folks. Don't get it twisted. You're talking to someone who's been there. Men get abused, especially verbally and emotionally, which is what I got for the most part. The hardest thing, not only going through it, but when you come out of that relationship, going through the healing process alone and not realizing 
not realizing what you've been through, not realizing how messed up it left you. That's a dark, dark area, very dark. So I'm taking it, your your healing process truly, truly began when you met your wife. Yes, it truly began when I met my wife. I was still doing games. I was still doing my show, but it was incom- It was so empty. It was so incomplete. It took me from Laporte, Indiana to Jasper, back to Michigan City, July 2018. From... 2016 to 2018, I thought I went through the entire healing process, but it was still empty. The day I met my wife, I started feeling whole again. I, um, when you were speaking, it, uh, it registered because I know that uh, I had listened to some past shows and done some past shows, you know, about uh, relationships and as far as uh, a woman and the things that you do and you don't do when it comes to your significant other. And I always feel like uh, somewhere that some women got the idea that it was okay and that meant that you were strong when you uh, kind of got crazy at the mouth with your significant other or call names or just, you know, just there's just a, just a difference between being strong and not, you know, taking, you know, crap or you know or mm-hmm. it up. and then there's another thing when you are demeaning somebody and I feel like yeah. in relationships for, as women our men could be already so beat up already by society and you know things that come their way that that's the last thing that they you know that could you know, that break them is the person that they trust you know that one that's supposed to hold you down hold you up <laughs> right tearing you down right yeah and, uh, and that's what happened that that's what happened trying to run a business basically on my own i I met the the i met a woman who i thought was going to be my forever but every but around every turn she was trying to undermine me i mean and forgive the way i'm going to phrase this it's bad enough society kicked my ass but to have the woman that supposedly loved me kick my ass that's not right it's not right. Yeah. That's making you wonder, like, who... Like, who really has your back? Exactly. Yeah. Like, you're sleeping with, like, the enemy, I guess. Maybe you feel like, oh, like, I'm in here with the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know? what... And you're like, what the hell did I get myself into now? Yeah. What happened? Trust me, I get it. <laughs> yep. Well, look, well, thank goodness, now you know. You know yep. that that wasn't right, and that wasn't normal, and that wasn't okay okay you know that wasn't because uh, for some people that's the normal and some people settle for it and they think that that's love I get really thrown off when people tell me that that's how that's the, I heard this one girl say that's what I know as love to be is when someone is attacking me or calling me names because that's all she mm-hmm. knew so she accepted mm-hmm. that love and that really messed me up because I was like wow my ex, my my ex said that to me. My ex said that to me because I know how I, I know how I am. As angry as I can get, I don't want to yell. I don't want to scream unless I'm alone. 
And then I'll yell and scream my brains out and get all my and get my frustrations out. But when I'm around somebody, I don't want them to see that 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 yeah. that side of me. And that's a side of me I'm hoping never to see myself. But my ex kept telling me, you know, you can yell at me. I said, no. As mad as I could get at you, I would never take it out on you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if that's all you knew, but that's not me. That's not how I roll. And that kind of started me breaking away from her. Yeah. getting her out of my life yeah. but when I met when I met my lovely wife it's like we said earlier that's when the healing process really began and the thing that really started it hearing her laugh <laughs> hearing her laugh I never realized how much that would mean to me to hear her laugh out loud and I'm part and I'm the reason for it (laughs) (laughs) laughter is uh, medicine for the soul it is it really is wow well I can see by your face and when you speak and like you said you speak about sports or your wife and those (laughs) are two things that make you happy and that that that's what matters you know you're not hurting anybody I always say if you're not hurting anybody and it makes you happy then go for it you know Absolutely. No Debbie Downers here. None here either. Yeah, we could we we could be doing so so much worse, like things that are like unbecoming of people, like negative things, like hurting others, being in crime. You know, so many things that people could be doing that they're not. And when it's something that's in a positive direction, you would think that one would be more supportive. Like you know what I mean? Like because mm-hmm. I mean, so that's that's just logical to me. It's. <laughs> You know? It seems like lo- it seems logical, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's what my uh, it's it's one thing my wife and I talk about all the time. We joke about it. We just look at each other, going, "You would think that logic would would rule in in cases like this." Uh, sure don't. It just don't. <laughs> what is happening here? It's like the more logical, the more people seem to stand, you know, push away from it. Like, yeah. I was like, I guess that's, is that where that saying, ignorance is bliss, <laughs> comes from? <laughs> you know? I had a boss at my old job, and she would walk around all day, like, after she'd get done talking to a lot of us, and she'd go like this for her hand, she'd be like, <laughs> like I don't get it, I don't understand. And I got, I totally get why she would do that, because it was like, um... You know, she's looking for the logic. She can't understand what she just heard or what she didn't hear. She's like, what's wrong with you people? I do it all the time. I'm like, especially when I'm talking to my son, and I just get this look. I'm like, what? <laughs> what's going on in there? I was like, not open school, but definitely see where we're lacking here. <laughs> I, I could just... I, I, I know myself. I also love cartoons, old cartoons. You just look around at society sometimes and you go, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, oh. just like, you're just like, what happened? Did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you just gave me the best thought, the best idea in the world. Just turn all this into a cartoon. <laughs> it just... Have at it. It'll make it for a good card, too. And, and people wonder why I still love Looney Tunes to this day. <laughs> oh, that's OG right there. Look, my, a couple <laughs> of my podcast friends uh, um, 
call call me OG because they listen they listen to my show, and that's a term of respect for me because I have been at this a while and I want them to grow. I want them to surpass what I'm doing. I want them to blaze a trail of their own. So when they refer to me as OG, that's totally fine for me because I know how long I've been at this and how bad I want them to succeed. Yeah. But you got a hell of an idea. Let's turn this society into a cartoon and give it a Looney Tunes feel. Right? Right? Get people and this is something. Look, I, <laughs> my wife would come into my office and I'd be working on a project, but I also have a cartoon in my ear as well. <laughs> and she'll see the cartoon while I'm writing something. And she goes, Yeah, he's at work. And she'll walk in. <laughs> <home. laughs> oh, man. I wish it helped probably like lighten things up, look at the lighter things of side of, you know, things like. Because we really put all this into a cartoon, as crazy as it is, and as, as devastating as a lot of it is, but if you put it into a mm-hmm. cartoon, you just can't make shit up like this. Like <laughs> <laughs> You have to, look, most of this you can't make up. Most of this you're going, did I just see that? <laughs> <laughs> you want to unsee it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And you and people wonder why I keep to my family, I keep to sports, and I keep to cartoons. Because if I put my hand in the news, my logical brain will go out of control. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it will. I, I, <laughs> have, I have to reel it back in. You know, I'm going to tell you a little story, right? <laughs> I had to, to back. And it recorded because, you know, it played and, and then it saves it for you. I mm-hmm. that. I listened to it. I was so aggressive. <laughs> I was like, you? And I just, it was a little too much. And it was like listening to somebody else. And I swear I missed it with all. It was kind of like being told off by your grandma or something like that. <laughs> You'd be ashamed of yourself. No. My, my favorite, my two favorite comedians, <laughs> two of my favorite all-time comedians are George Carlin and Richard Pryor. When I was living in Michigan City, one day I got a very nasty message from a hater who was hell-bent on seeing my failure. I turned on Facebook Live and it turned out to be a mistake because I went completely nuts for about 20 minutes. My wife saw that and she says, do me a favor, yeah, take that down because that just doesn't seem like you. I listened back to it and immediately erased it. I I said, I said all that in 20 minutes. Yipe. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I I completely get it. It probably meant all, probably meant well too, you know, but then you just get to, yeah, you hear yourself and and you're like, (laughs) And you look at yourself and you go, I said all of that. <laughs> and you listen back to parts of it and you're going, I put that phrase together? What? What in the world is wrong with me? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like abort, abort mission. What's it from the old show? Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've had so many of those moments. And, you know, I had to go on a, a few apology tours, too. 
because mm-hmm. I felt like even though I feel a certain way, I can't go around. You know, the, the worst one for me is when I told everybody, <laughs> I told everybody that if you felt strongly for the president, that meant that you were just as bad as him. And then I, and it didn't take anybody to tell me that this was wrong. I just felt it, you know, yes. because at the end of the day, everybody has the right to vote for who they want to vote for or whatever mm-hmm. it means. But it doesn't, it's, you know, I have friends of all races and all cultures. And basically what I did in that mess, because there's a lot of people that probably did vote for him. I actually know somebody that did, and they were black. But they told mm. me why. You know, mm-hmm. that it didn't stop me from feeling the way I felt for them. I thought I thought it was kind of them to go out of their way to, to share that with me. And so I wanted to make sure that people didn't take that, because I was basically telling people that voted for him or, or stood behind him for whatever reason that you were a bad person. Yeah. And that's not always, it's not as always as black and white as as it seems for us it's always something in the middle in between we never know anyone's thinking when mm-hmm. they when they choose whatever they choose and so i get why people yeah. try to step away from politics and all that stuff when dealing with relationships and things because it can be, become very ugly so i had to go online and address myself and apologize if anybody listened i don't know but i know that didn't sit right with me you know yeah and, and like you said you feel it immediately mm-hmm. you feel it absolutely immediately which is why I don't talk about politics. Yeah. I know better. Mm-hmm. I know better. I also, and I, I said this to a friend of mine who was black and I got the side eye. When I said, I do not subscribe to black monolithic thought. And they go, what? I said, let me put it in George Carlin's language. <laughs> I got this real moron thing I do. It's called thinking. side eye that I got should have been a curveball from hell. I said, I'm sorry, I got my own brain. That's how you should that's how you should feel. You should think do your own research. Do your own do your own research and become your own person. Yep. <laughs> I hear that a lot and I get that a lot too. Like with um black uh how do you want to call African American, black Americans, people identify mm-hmm. differently. But I, I seem to see that's a, a big thing it's like we all must think that you know what I mean it's like we all monolithic think monolithic thought yeah and monolithic. if you don't then something's wrong with you <laughs> bullseye <laughs> bullseye but give you a perfect example my mom asked me one day who my favorite sportscasters were and I rattled off a list of names Jim Durham Wayne Larrabee John Rooney Jack Buck, a couple of others. And my mother looked at me and she says, what about Greg Gumbel? Uh, um, the problem with that is he doesn't do play-by-play as much as the others do. And the names that I gave to you also did it on the radio where they are very descriptive. Not once did I say they can't do it because, hell, Gus Johnson did it for the Knicks. Gus Johnson did it for the Knicks. He did radio for the next for two years. But again, it's that side eye. And you're not a monolithic thought. When you're not thinking the same way and not thinking the same thing as other black people are, because I still get it to this day. People hear me on the air and then they see me. You already know the expression I get. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's not what I expected. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I said, you already know the expression I get. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and still get to this day, 25 years in. <laughs> and I, I, I had someone ask, I had someone challenge me. They said, are you going to ever going to interview a black broadcaster? I said, I interviewed, I interviewed plenty of them. One of which was a voice of the Super Bowl for 12 years, Mr. Paul Olden. He was the first voice of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Look him up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to tell you how that conversation ended. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the support? Okay, how about saying yes from time to time? You'll see a lot more on here. <laughs> it's, you beg. Yeah. Let's put it all out there. This is the 21st century. If if black folk want to have a conversation, have a conversation about this. All the black, all, some of the some of the black people that I know that are in business, beg other black people to support them. But when it's time to ante up, crickets. Exactly. Crickets. Yep. I mean, the first ones to talk about why you got out of the I guess, show. I said, because well, they happen to be very nice. They say yes. Okay, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what happens oh, I, to be the I color got, of their skin. When <laughs> I'm I, sorry. One of my best friends, um, Gary Ryman, the voice of Northern Iowa, I had him on my show, and I had only planned to have him on for, ten, for a 10-minute segment. Yeah, we talked a half hour. And someone had uh, chimed in and said, why don't you have me, have me on your show? And I listened to his voice. A, I could tell he was black, and B, I can tell he was unprepared. And I said, well, um, I have to schedule you on. He said, well, you can put me on right now. No. <laughs> no. There's continuity here that I'm trying to develop, and you're not helping. Two days later, I get a note saying, you just don't want black people on your show. That's not true yeah. at all. <laughs> not, I'm like, that's not true at all. Cliff Levingston was on my show. Remember him? Like I said, Paul Oden was on my show. Remember him? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just That's sitting there going, "Personalize, huh?" <laughs> if you want to personal, if you want to personalize something, personalize repair of this country. Why don't you personalize that? Exactly. Why don't you personalize and, and take your own words to heart about supporting black business? Yeah, I know you've heard that one before. <laughs> mm -hmm. too often too often the topic I'm just like and when I hear it, it from the people that I hear it from it's like really <laughs> all I want to hear I, and I just, I just scroll all I want to hear like, some sponsors I just want to hear some sponsors say I'll support you and I know I'll get that I know I'll get that Mm-hmm. and you and I have connected on this level, and I know you've been there. My my co-host, Cole Johnson, we he and I talked about this. Why? And I put it in the form of a question. Why is it? Why is it that when a lot of black entrepreneurs go into business, beg other black people to support them, and when they don't get the support, they go right back and ask them again. <laughs> How many times do you have to bang your head against the wall? To realize, I got to go a different route. Yep. And like this is not a color. And this is not a color <laughs> war. This is not a race war. This is. These are not racist comments. These are not color comments. These are just facts. Facts. Yeah. These are yeah. just one hundred percent facts. Seen it, done it, been there, done that. Got the t-shirt, burnt the sun bitch when I got done with it. 
Yep. These are just 100%. These are just 100% pure unadulterated facts, folks. Yeah. So they're not willing to go any further. Like you said, they keep going back. Nope. And it's like, if this isn't Thank working, you. then, I mean, that's why history keeps repeating itself. Like, well, this isn't working. Let's try something different. <laughs> you know, sanity. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, the, it's the logic part of the conversation we had. Yep. It's the, it, it's the hand against the head going, why didn't this work? <laughs> why are you trying this again? For the umpteenth time. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're asking that, you're still doing it? You're like, yeah. You're, you're still, <laughs> you're, you're, I've had so many of my friends that I grew up with hear me, hear my show, and they pay me so many compliments. They're, they're going, I wish I didn't listen to you and not fooled around when it came to school. I said, the biggest reason I didn't fool around when it came to school, one, I wanted to learn, and two, I didn't want my parents' foot in my ass. <laughs> two logical <laughs> that's reasons. As, that's, about as, that's about as simple as it gets. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to bring home and ever have my dad kicking my ass. No. Right. Unacceptable. <laughs> how do I stop getting my ass? But maybe you should do it <laughs> Why don't you comply with what your parents said? And my parents made it very simple. We're sending you to school to learn. Period. <laughs> Not such a bad idea. <laughs> it's, it re- and my my mother put it in the gave me the greatest question, one of the greatest questions. What are you gonna do 20 plus years from now when you want to do something and you don't have the skills to do it because you didn't learn? Okay. All I need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You would think for some folks, right? You're like, I totally got it. Why didn't you get it? <laughs> You're like, do I have some kind of special powers or something? <laughs> like, I actually gave a damn about yep. what I wanted. Yep. And it took me some years and meeting my wife to get that confidence back again. Don't get it, don't get me wrong. But hey, I figured it out. I got some help. And I needed some help. But at the same time, you would think some black people would get it. <laughs> look at my face. Let me let me put <laughs> let me put an important word. Let me put an important word in that sentence. You would think some prominent black people would get it. <laughs> like way over the head, right off. Goes right over. And here's what my my favorite basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan. Okay? If you only knew how many times I've heard black people criticize him about his wardrobe, his shoes, and quote-unquote not giving back to the black community, I learned early on why. And it's pretty simple. Given we're in the 21st century, you try and give, and I hope this changes. I hope this changes. But for now, my statement remains. You try and get back to a black community, it'll get ruined. Hmm. And I hate to say that. I hate to think that way. But I've seen it. I've seen it. And I, under, I understand. I'll get back to the community where I am. Because I know they'll accept it. Now, if you go back into your old community, which I hope 
for the folks listening within earshot is not in ruins, but if it is in ruins, it's more trouble. It's more trouble. Yeah. I can totally understand that. And I think with a lot of people, they don't, they're not willing to understand, you know what I mean? It's kind of like mm-hmm. what they're thinking is they're thinking and not willing to have it be shifted. Like I will right. not, I will not be shifted. You know what I mean? You have to allow yep. things to be a possibility to change your thinking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You might be wrong. You know, yeah. so we have yeah. to be open to to listening and understanding another person's point of view. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do as a as a people. Period. Yeah. Period. Yep. Take race and color. Take race, color, and creed out of the equation. That's what we need to do as a people. Yep. Period. Develop our own thought then come together with it yep i have this friend and he has this book he has a lot of uh great literature but his foundation you know it's based on he says truth ethics logic and honesty of intent yep the basis of the foundation he said if you have those there it can't be shaken you can't allow it anything else to be a, a part you know of that foundation it has to be based on those right there because truth mm-hmm. is truth, ethics, yep. logic, you know, and then the intent, the honesty, and the tint of the honesty, and then you come together as people, no matter what race, color, anything, and you ask, who are we, what do we want, and how are we going to get there? Yes. You know? Yes, 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 yes. Because for the most part, I think that people want, we want more, there's more people that want for us to all have the same things that we all want. But they're being, we're being suppressed. We're kind of being like blocked, pushed, you know, pushed down and blocked out and not really heard mm-hmm. because it's too powerful, you know? And so, or they don't believe. And then you right. have people that believe and wants to share that message with you, but it's hard to get to you because there's people that want to block that message and want you to stay mm-hmm. down and unhopeful, you know? And it's like, no, it's possible. If, if it could be this bad, and it's not the world that's messed up; it's the people in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad. It, it really is. You know, nature does what it do. The world is here, you know, doing what it do. It's, it's like George Carlin said: the planet is fine, the people are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, I had this thing like when they kind of when they backed off of quarantine and, and people ran to what the first place people ran to the beach. If there was a the beach, beach, the water that was near. I said, damn. I said, I bet you the, wild, the wildlife out the marine life was like, what is that? You hear that? What is that? Oh, damn human. It's an, er- you it's an earthquake. They- right. I know that played a major part down there with them dolphins and whales. You know they realized that we wasn't around, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they probably was like, oh, thank you. COVID, whatever they was. <laughs> like, please get them and, out and of here because the all they bring is destruction. And the moment it was lifted, the moment it was lifted, all mm-hmm. hell broke loose again. All hell, yeah. I'm glad some of the restaurants, especially here in my area, are opening back up. I, I love that, and they do it on a limited basis, which is huge. Limited seating basis, and you got to make sure you have you have your mask on. Totally mm-hmm. understand that. But at the same time, when this pandemic really, really passes, oh boy. <laughs> yep. And you're in California, so all I got to say is imagine the first Lakers-Clippers game at the Staples Center oh my God. where there are no restrictions. No restrictions. I know. And people, no restrictions <laughs> or no thinking. 
no restrictions, no common sense. You know, that goes out the window. It's like the restriction brings in the common sense. It's like that shows you right there. You're only doing it because you've been told to. You take away the restrictions, mm-hmm. you don't use your own thinking. It's like because you were told to they, do it. I, I get shot down all the time on my show because of how I analyze one LeBron James as a basketball player. And people do not hear me say as a basketball player. They leave those words out of their argument. My friend and I spent an hour breaking down LeBron's game from year one to year 17. I posted said podcast. Yeah. I lost count of how many times I read the word hater in the comments. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just don't like LeBron. You didn't hear what I said. I said he's a fantastic athlete. He's just an incomplete basketball player. Here they go again. <laughs> oh, you just don't like what he does. Shut up. <laughs> That's how you can t- like, shut up. Yeah, exactly. It's like if they hear only one thing and they don't haven't heard the actual like message. And I, I tend to say that sometimes when I do a show. I'm like, I'm gonna need you to listen. Yes. Because <laughs> you get yes, stuck yes, on yes. this one word or this wording and then you just roll with it and you don't even listen to anything else that I said. And you were complimenting him. But as soon as you don't agree, <laughs> if it's something that doesn't sound like it's all the way like correct, it's like, oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. I just said he was great. <laughs> like, what, how, do, how does my wife describe the joke? Sometimers? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. It's like, oh, I'm picturing my head too, having these conversations. Like, you're on your show, but you're also going down and you're like, into the camera. Yeah. Some of the get some of the people when I used to have call ins and people call into my show. Oh brother, you talk about a license to throw daggers. <laughs> they threw them all. Wow. They threw them all. And I just thought, why am I having these people call in? <laughs> why am I following this pattern? Now I'm I'm in a good place with how I format my show and how I do it. I knocked it down to two hours. It was up to three, but two hours is long enough. It leaves the people wanting more. Yeah. And I get my opinions in, and I have a co-host now. And there's a couple other people I'm gonna add to the team. Now it's 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 just time to roll. Like we said earlier in the conversation, it's just time to put it together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You said an important word there too. We said these parents. And that's what I, I tend to go on to. I'm like, and you tell your kids what? When they're, you know, when you tell your kids, be kind, be respectful, treat everybody with respect. And then you turn around and they hold that thought. You bubble. <laughs> Been there. You attack a whole nother adult. And you're like, are you just want huh? your child to, to be kind? Be kind. <laughs> Then you wonder why they're getting phone calls. I'm like, hello. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. That's why I tend to, when I have students and then like you meet the parents sometimes, it's like, totally makes sense. Got it. Got it. I'm so sorry, honey. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> yep. Like what you had, you had, you didn't even have a chance. I'm sorry. <laughs> you do, you really didn't. You really. <laughs> you just put your arm around their shoulder and go, "I get it. I understand." <laughs> you give them yeah. a consoling hug and walk off. Yeah. <laughs> I even look at the world, Brian. It, to me, I look at the world and, and how we're acting, and it's like we have, for the most part. Even if they're not ours, we still have youth and children in this world. And it's like, what do we want for them? Like, mm-hmm. can we really sit back and say, I want you to be evil and be screwed up and, you know, walk on people's hard-earning backs, you know? Mm. <laughs> Keep them down and oppressed. They're like, do you say that to a, a, a kid? Like, You wonder if they happy. do. Yeah. You wonder if they do <laughs> say that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I can't really see them having these, these heart-to-heart and like... And you know, in the shows, you see, you hear the music playing in the background, like the soft music. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I wonder how that works out in their homes. Like, oh, I'll give you a funny story. When I was a baseball, when I was a baseball DJ back in Chicago for youth baseball tournaments, I did it for seven years. I downloaded a lot of classic rock songs and put them in my library. I thought I got away with it. Until <laughs> my mother walked by and I didn't have my headset on. <clears throat> I had my speakers on. And ACDC was banging on my speakers. Yeah. I cannot describe the look on my mother's face when she heard that. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> like, what is that, huh? My dad walked, and before I could say anything, the funniest part is, before I could say anything, my dad walked by, put his arm around my mother, and said, he's playing to his audience, and walked off. (laughs) I'm under the table, dying laughing. (laughs) And my mother is just looking at me. I'm in a pool full of tears under my desk, dying. (laughs) I was kind of like, what's that you're listening to, huh? Would it have been different if it was like, like, the rap that was, you know, possibly telling you all the things you should be doing? But it's black, so okay. It's black, so you have to support it, right? That never made sense to me. I said, are you listening to what it says? You know? And I love all music. I like yeah, rock. I love I love rock and roll. And yep, all kind of like classical. I love like I have a Beethoven uh, mm-hmm. album. I love piano. Like that's one of my on my bucket list before I ever expire. I want to play the hell out of some piano. That's like my yeah, dream. yeah. And I think he's excellent. You know, when it comes to that that music, but I totally get it. And you can say all those things to somebody, and then as soon as you get to and I like rock and roll, they be like, what the what what. <laughs> Ask somebody <laughs> tell me a family member years ago. I said black people don't listen to that. I said Wanna bet? Ignorance at its finest, I guess. And I was like, you could do your freaking history and there's some of the most greatest rappers, if you do the research, that'll tell you that some of their best work or some of their people that they look up to are some like 
musicians that are rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's, so I just, you know, for me, it's just like the simple-minded thinking just because it's not black. You know, and then it, to me, it also registers like, you would think all the stuff that our people have been through before we were even here, that yes. we'd be more open-minded than, than we are because we know oh, what it God, feels yes. like to be stereotyped and looked about a certain way. But it seems to be the hardest. Mm-hmm. You know? And you just look at some, you just look at some people and go, would it kill you to be a little open-minded? Would it, would it really frown you up to be a little more open-minded? Yeah. And I'm just sitting there going, I'm having fun. Okay, I don't care what people think anymore. I don't care who says what or who thinks what. I'm having fun. I'm having a ball. I can tell. Look at you. You're like, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, allow me to be humble. Took me a long time to get to this point. (laughs) Hey, you're here. I'm here. I'm having a blast right now. (laughs) I I ride. I'm having a blast right now. (laughs) I'm having a I'm having a blast right now. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that, and I like that too. And that's what I want to, you know, keep because when I started, it's been like a year and something now, and I found like for one moment when it wasn't, I wasn't not smiling anymore, and mm-hmm. that's when I said, okay, so there's something I have to do differently because the world's going to be the world regardless. You know, yes, it I is. have to remember why I started and maybe just approach it differently and not be mm-hmm. so because you could be so passionate about something to where you're just lo- you're, you're going in too hard <laughs> yep. you know what I mean and you mean well guilty mm-hmm. guilty <laughs> guilty guilty yeah when it got there I was just like this isn't fun anymore I want mm-hmm. to still be able to laugh about stuff that has nothing to do with any of this actually exactly so, yeah I exactly yeah I had Dwight I had Dwight Turner on my show this past Thursday from Chicago Fire and I had a whole question in my head about what I wanted to do in terms of in terms of Chicago Fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything went out the window when he came back to me with a statement of I love Chicago pizza. And we were off to the races. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we were off to the races because my and my wife heard this and she was dying laughing. I had like I said, I had a whole bunch of questions in my head about Chicago Fire, doing some last minute research about it, because I'm very familiar with the show. Uh-uh. No research necessary. All we talked about was food for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what the, where the conversation went, you know. That's, that's where it went. Yep. Like, hey, you thought you were supposed to, you, you thought you were on your way to one thing, but it ended up where it was. It's kind of like that's mm-hmm. where you know that the genuine. It was genuine, and yep. And I, I invited him back. He wants he wants to come back. A couple of other folks I've had on the show want to come back, and I want to thank you for having me on your show and Steve Joyner for helping to produce my show and Steve <laughs> I know I, I know I'm gonna have you on my 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 show soon a couple other things have got to got to get moved around but oh yeah man, for sure. I'm patient this was one of the I had a great best time. this is one of the best this is one of the best that I've had in a long time and I love it I, I love, love it, it I had a feeling I said something's gonna be different 
had this feeling in me and every time somebody texts me I said look I have to do the show I said it's gonna be big I said somebody need you to leave me alone <laughs> but you know so I really had nothing like I had my notes but my notes really didn't say anything they just right. said we're there I just said I can't put this one together I said this one's just gonna go off of chemistry you know just the, the vibe yes. that's you said what you said I said okay let's go <laughs> why restrict anything why are we why I, yeah that's hey, so after forty-seven, after forty-seven years on this earth, if I can't talk about what the hell I've been through, then I'm restricting myself, and I <laughs> exactly. refuse to do that now. Amen to that. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much. I had the best. This is like the highlight of my day, and I really oh, appreciate man. you uh, being such fabulous. a good sport. Thank you so much. I had a fabulous time on your show, and I can't wait to get you on mine. Like I said, gotta move a couple things around, but I can't wait to get you on my show. I had a fabulous time. Me too. Me too. And Brian Snow, would you mind letting our listeners know where they can find anything Brian Snow if they want to follow you? Well, they can follow my show at Official SIT Mourn. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, SNW Digital Media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for Snowman Digital Media. And SDM Sportsnet for the SDM Sports Network, celebrating its 25th year in broadcasting. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at BigSnowman2172. That's how you find me. And there you have it. All right. Oh, all right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> <That's so silly. laughs> well, once again, I appreciate you being here. This is Brandon J, a voice to be reckoned with, the next level. And you're always welcome here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, we are going to uh, continue next time. And thank you so much, Brian Snow.